You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns with your host, Jeff Floyd, as always, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, guys, whether it's a car, whether it's at home, ask your you know hands-free device. Play Locked On Browns podcast that will run you up the latest episode of the show. Please continue to do that. It's becoming the wave and the wave of the way things are trending towards making things easier for us lazy people as we get older and older. Um, obviously, guys, we had every intention to get here with you yesterday. We were going to sit down with Stephen Thomas. Um, daughter wasn't feeling well. You know, nice little long stit in the ER. Didn't get to bed this morning. Uh, didn't get to bed till seven a.m. this morning. So, unfortunately, you know. Wasn't able to do so, but either way, we are still here to get to work. I um, was hoping there would be a little bit more action today, but, uh, you know, obviously some news of the day, uh, you know, Dwayne Allen's uh, Miami Dolphin, that's going to be a, you know, super championship caliber move, and I believe a move that was clarified by some as solid, Pete, our boy Carlos Hyde, one year, 2.8, Kansas City Chiefs. Gainful employment. Really? He got 2.8 million? Jeez. Well, somebody's got a block. Pete was always about the blocking. <laughs> I, I can't believe he's getting 2.8 million. I mean, it was interesting enough when the Browns gave him like six or whatever it was for that one year. Yeah, and then traded away for a fifth. And the best part was Jacksonville even trying to spin the loop. Yeah, we're going to put Carlos Hart in the market. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Guys. The, be- the best part of it was when I saw a tweet by Andy Benoit basically saying that the Jacksonville Jaguars did themselves a disservice by cutting Carlos Hyde in favor of. Uh, in, in favor of uh, Fournette, basically saying it, 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 they should have kept Hyde over him because he's more professional or whatever. All right. So, yeah, this, yes. Well, that's that, I mean, that's that's a backhanded compliment to Hyde and and crushing Fournette. Well, and this is also a guy who spends you know six months a year complaining that Ty Montgomery wore number eighty eight while being a running back on a roster. So good guy over there with him, uh, guys. Now we will obviously hear um, you know the big news um, in. Just imagine being Kevin Zeitler yesterday. It's your 29th birthday. You know, you spend some time with your wife. You're going to a show you want. Oh, real quick before the afternoon. Hey, guess what? Your whole life's changed. You're now a New York Giant. Olivier Vernon is now a Cleveland Brown. For the Cleveland Browns, you pick up pick 132. You send over pick 155. Uh, guys, Lance Erling, obviously a big guy within the NFL draft community, had a tweet out, I want to say about three days ago or whatever, saying this is really be a draft where you would like to have a lot of picks in the, the third, fourth, fifth rounds. Well, guess what, guys? First round pick, second round pick, two in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth. So shaping up very, very nicely here. Uh, it's going to give them flexibility, maneuverability. Um, but, Pete, uh, the deal with it itself, my first initial reaction, I mean, it, it, we had talked about this you know, Thursday night before we went into Friday, you know, you understood the reasons why you would maybe move a guy like Zeitler. It had nothing to do with play whatsoever. I mean, the guy was rock solid in what he did. Um, but you, the biggest thing for me here, though, is, is you know, the money's almost a wash between him and Vernon, but now you're essentially paying two guys the same amount of money, and one of them's playing a premium spot, and one is a guy in Austin Corbett that you have a lot of ability in if you were in the Browns' front office, a lot of faith in, I should say, to go ahead and come in and be your starter. You did draft him 33 overall. So now that money's spread out between two guys and one of them being a predominant position. Right. It, that, that's that's what it comes down to for me is defensive end more valuable than guard. Uh, 
And again, we talked about it in in connection to the possibility of moving him for Beckham. Kevin Zeitler's a great player, and uh, as as it pertains to Dorsey, it, it, it's shitty uh, that a guy who played that well for you doesn't even get a phone call when you're going to tell me that you know you signed Kareem Hunt because this is about molding young men. Bullshit! You're full of shit. Stop lying and just. Say you just want to win. You don't give a shit about people. That's fine. I, I could at least live with the honesty. But, you know, Zeitler's great. But if you're telling me you're going to get a, a really, really, really good pass rusher, I'm going to take the pass rusher, especially because I do have faith in Austin Corbett. I like the pick. and it, I mean, there are picks I would have made there instead of it. Harold Landry, I, I liked, Harold Landry, Harold Landry. I like, obviously, Harold Landry, definitely. Uh, but... You know, I liked Connor Williams if you wanted an offensive lineman. I thought he could be a tackle. That s- screamed out to me. But, you know, Corbett is a very, very nice prospect. Uh, if you watched him at Nevada, he was just a hard-ass dude who just got after it. Like, the, he's basically that guy who was a switch. The most polite, nice guy off the field. You get on it. He's a guy who's going to, you know, he's going to – there's a coaching staff in West Virginia who, who refers to this as a nut drag uh, where you basically block the dude into the ground to the point where your nuts are basically grinding into the dude's face mask. That's the type of guy Austin Corbett is on the field. Like that's what you want. And you're, ba- and, and you're basically paying him what amounts to be one twelfth or one eleventh of what Kevin Zeitler made. The other part of this, I don't know if this is true, but I'm very fascinated to find out. If, and this gets into the weeds of salary cap, but Kevin Zeitler and Olivier Vernon for their respective teams cost real cap. If swapping these guys now eats into the rollover cap, then even though they actually end up costing the same in terms of you know, their contract values, other than the dead money they're going to have to eat on this, they actually may conceivably end up with more cap room next year by virtue of the fact that they're, again, freeing up real cap as opposed to rollover cap, which, you know, disappears and stuff. So that part's interesting. But, yeah, I I like this move better than I like the potential of trading for Odell Beckham. It's simpler. It's one for one. There's no... You know, the, the picks involved actually help the Browns in this one. You're not spending premium assets for, you know, in addition to a player to get, you know, a guy like Odell Beckham. I think Olivier Vernon is a really, really good football player. Uh, the biggest challenge you're getting there is can you get 16 games out of him? If you can, he's going to be fantastic. Uh, the thing with Vernon, and, and the first thing, and, and this is one is, you know, he's basically on a deal for two more years. So when it comes time where Miles Garrett, it's going to drain you. And guys, Miles Garrett is going to drain you. There's no way around it. Olivia Vernon's money is gone. So that's a good thing here. He's here for that time and that, you know, for that being. Uh, the one thing, you know, Olivier Vernon, you know, consistently played, you know, uh, right defensive end. He's not going to do that here. He's going to play left defensive end. He had to play what was a great crop of left tackles in the NFC East. He's going to be playing against right tackles predominantly here in the AFC North. Some of those guys, not nearly as good as the quality of the guys he was playing in the NFC East. Um, yes, um, does miss time. But when he is on the field, 
He's highly productive. Seven sacks in 11 games last year. Um, does get nagging injuries. Yeah, we understand that. But he is now the second fiddle. And, and Pete, we, we we keep talking about, you know, there's other things you can do with Miles Garrett. You saw it his rookie year. You didn't see it nearly, nearly as much in year two. But you want to go NASCAR, which is a popular thing. And, you know, you can kick Miles inside. You can put Olivier over the left tackle. You know what you have in Gennard Avery. Larry Ogunjobi is just, you know, I mean, you know, the... Uh, the video out was out the other day from his workouts. I mean, that comes to, and one thing that John did say, I guess it was the combine, he wanted to be able to ha- get more pass rush, you know, from the front four. You, in nickel and dime, you've now done that, and you've done it in spades. Right. Uh, the big, the, Not only did the Browns add Olivier Vernon, but on the same day, the Steelers traded their starting rate tackle to the Cardinals. For a sixth-round um, pick. So if you're looking at this, if, if he indeed is going to play left end, and we assume he will, you're looking at right now the Steelers have a hole at right tackle they're going to have to fill. The Bengals rolled out. Bobby Hart. Right, and I yeah. forget who else the other guy was. We I, I, I forgot that poor Saps name because we had a lot of fun making fun of him too. Yeah, like Hart and Boy and, and Fisher, who's now turned himself into a tight end. Yes. Um, and then the Ravens have uh, Zeus Jr. Yes. This is a guy who gave Trent Williams fits. Trent Williams is a hell of a tackle. So that's certainly a big benefit. And the thing that's odd is, like, up until the past two years, Vernon never missed a game. It's These past two years, he's missed a, you know, a handful of each year. So hopefully that's a blip as opposed to the new reality. Oh, you also wonder a little bit if it was a statement on the New York Giants situation on a whole. You want to know it, man? Pfft, I ain't a hundred percent. Why am I going to bother going for these guys? Ain't yeah, nobody else here. I mean, you I know, hope that's not the issues. case. But you yeah. never want anybody to start drinking that wine, but it could be. It, it could have something to do with it. And right, especially uh, when you, especially when you've already got the fat guaranteed money and you're not chasing it. Sure. So, you know, I, I think in in all of this, you end up with the reality of. Olivier Vernon is a very good player who's going to have what we figure to be an easier time uh, being productive for the Browns than he had with the Giants. He's not playing across from Kareem Hunt any or uh, Kareem Martin anymore. He's playing across from Miles Garrett. He's playing alongside you know guys like Larry Ogunjobi and stuff. And then you know if you bring in Jared Avery and you have those two guys on the outside, Miles Garrett on the inside. You've got a lot of opportunity to just torture people. But the thing I really like about Olivier Vernon in particular is the fact he's so good at punishing quarterbacks when they get moved off the spot. And if you watch him, he's a guy who really likes to get upfield, get his hips facing where he wants to go, and then he waits till that quarterback makes a move. And then basically, you know, because the offensive tackle obviously can't see it, then he redirects, comes back, and kills the quarterback. And, and on a team that's really good at that because you have a guy like miles garrett he's really good at moving guys off the spot or you guys you, you get guys like larry Ogunjobi who can go up the middle and force force a guy to flush olivier vernon's like the perfect guy to go in there and finish those sacks and clean those things up likewise you know he's a guy who can get up and and, and turn the corner or go with an inside move and he can flush things out to garrett so you know, I, I do think this just really works out well for for everyone involved. But uh, you know, the, you can't have too much pass rush, and this also upgrades the rotation. And the uh, 
you know, the, the, the point that comes along with this is, well, Emmanuel Ogba's there. Well, they could trade him. And I suppose that is true. I, I hope to God it's not just for a pick because that would just be an absolute waste. Uh, if they can make a player-for-player player trade or some maneuver like that, fine. I, I sort of get it. But if you're just saying we're going to have Emmanuel Ogba back and now he's a rotational guy – you know, who's hopefully going to be healthy, you know, not a year off the foot, not playing a whole season on the the high ankle sprain that just he was maybe 80 percent at best the entire year. If you get Emmanuel Ogbe at 100 percent and he's able to contribute like this and, and give those guys more more rest and, and just consistently having guys who can, who can have all their uh, – uh, juice and are attacking, then that makes the Browns that much better. And potentially he has a good season, raises his value, and then, you know, if a team signs him away, they get, you know, a higher compensatory pick. So that's the other part of this is, is it's not just Olivier Vernon's added to the mix. It's hopefully a guy like Emmanuel Ogba and Jannard Avery are also improved by this move because they their, lo- their load is lessened and they're just maximized more. Absolutely. We're going to get to a little bit more of this. But guys, iTunes rating reviews, five-star written review. You guys have been great with that lately. Please keep them coming. It does mean a lot and helps the show's growth. So thank you, and I always appreciate it on that front. Now, Pete, um, yes, with, with Agba here, um, if you're just going to move him for what you would say would be, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get around three picks, so around four pick. So what would you move him where he makes $2 million and you're hoping you can maybe get a guy the capabilities of Emmanuel Agba? Why go for the blind bag? Stick with what you have. Emmanuel can play inside. I prefer him not to be inside. Everybody, oh, now you just put Ogba at, you know, put him inside, play him at defensive tackle the whole time. No, because A, that's shortchanging the ability Emmanuel Ogba has. He can play outside. The other thing is, if this is a guy who's dealt with injuries, if you're going to keep him on the interior full time, you're really going to sit back, cross your fingers, and wonder about that and how that's going to affect him in that area. Jannard Avery, um, you know, do we see more base linebacker with Jannard Avery? It's a possibility. We talked about this. Until we know where Jannard's going to go, and maybe this move kind of dictates what their thoughts are with him. You know, Jannard's kind of a, a wild card here. A good one. A really good one. We already know what we have as a pure pass rusher. Uh, we saw what he was able to do a little bit in zone coverage. Um, but, you know, as far as chasing guys down, you know, running backs, you know, short routes. We didn't get to see a lot of that last year. That gave you too much thought that maybe, oh, yeah, that's absolutely where he's got to be. Um, some people still trying to bring up that name, Chad Thomas. Uh, guys, uh, I, I, I just can't. And you still have guys saying that, you know, he didn't put in the work. Um, that comes with, uh, you know, everything we said. It was a bad selection. Uh, didn't really play very well. There wasn't much pop on tape. Uh, now you get him in here, and maybe he feels like he's got a spot because where he's drafted. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Chad Thomas, my eyes, still a long, long, long shot towards the uh, 2019 final roster. Um, but some other, still still going to have to be a little bit of work done here, Pete, on this defensive line. And thank God you got the 10 picks, but there's still more to be added here. You probably, you, you certainly want to address at least one more interior guy. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Cooley, they uh, got, went ahead and put a tag on. It seems like they want to keep him around. Uh, Higgins, the fifth round tag, we'll get into that in a minute. That was a strange one altogether. But you're still going to need minimum two to three more guys on this defensive line. Yeah, I've got a three, and and I, I don't think Coley's tender guarantees anything. Like it guarantees he's going to be around, but that doesn't mean he's going to make the final roster. Um, 
We like you enough, but we're not sure. We're we're po- it, it's possible we could upgrade over you. Right. It's but because I think that's more <laughs> of a case of well, if we don't end up getting the guys we you know hope we can get, we got to have somebody, and it, he at least knows the system. And well, that's one better step than last year. Right, and certainly, uh, certainly more value as a rotational guy than a starter. I mean, he has no business being a starter, but you know, I, I do think he's going to be in a situation where he's you know competing to keep a job, which is what you want anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think the three tech is the big spot to address. Uh, you know, I personally, I, I like the draft more than I like free agency. The guy who jumps out at me is uh, Gunter from uh, Arizona. Obviously played with Wilkes, had a good season with Wilkes. I don't think he's going to get a huge paycheck. If Arizona doesn't resign him before free agency starts, I could easily see the Browns scoop him up at a very reasonable cost and get a really nice player that could be in a spot starter, but realistically, he'd be the you know the dream scenario as a rotational guy. But even if you get him and then draft a guy, uh, and they're basically splitting those reps fifty fifty or whatever, that becomes you know a, a significantly better situation. The stuff I don't know if I really see are guys like T- uh, Timmy Jernigan. You may have more opinion on him than I do. He's never really done much for me. Sheldon Richardson. He's a very talented mercenary. Uh, I don't have any interest in Sue at all. Um, and he certainly sat, he as we did those playoff shows and the previews and the post game shows. Yes, Sue definitely drew a sour. And you know, there's the thing with Dominic and Sue is it's it's almost you get to the point with some of these guys where it's you know all right. Is it really just about the money? And it's almost seems like when Dominican Sue, that's almost to the point where we're at now. Just keep whoever's got the highest bid, give it to me, and that's what we're doing. Well, yeah, and I, and I don't see how you're going to get in Dominican. You know, in Dominican Sue to the at this point is a is a role player. I mean, he's he's for all intents and purposes your starter, but he's not a seventy percent of the snaps guy anymore. He's more like forty to fifty, and he's not going to play nickel and dime because he hasn't shown that he going to put in the effort there and pass rush anymore. So, I mean, you're going to get some wow plays on first and 10 every now and then, but it's probably not going to be enough to, uh, you know, whether rub is ever going to, you know, meet the results. And, and even if, you know, even if you like what, let's say he gives you everything he's got for 40% of those plays or whatever it is. And he's great as a pass rusher. You're not getting a break on the contract. I mean, you're still going to end up paying him, you know, for, for, you know, what he was. And like, that's, clearly his thing like and no nothing wrong with that for from his standpoint if somebody's wanted to give him uh <laughs> if, if if people are uh, willing to pay him that contract you know he's more than welcome to take it but i just don't think and especially where the browns are are going you know they they have less cap than people want to want to believe so that's it, to me it, it just seems unrealistic yeah, and, you know, and the, I, I do enjoy, I really do enjoy Sheldon Richardson, and I want to give Sheldon Richardson a lot of credit because, you know, he, the narrative was written on him, and it was it was not good. I mean, you know, he was a, you know, he had questions coming out of Missouri. Uh, you know, those questions showed up in New York, uh, you know, driving around with a loaded gun, weed, with a 13-year-old in the car, whatever, all just piss poor. But he's done, a, you know, a good job in you know, rewriting 
you know, what is the reputation on him. But the thing is, Sheldon Richardson's going to be looking for real big money in these next two years. Um, so it does come with a little risk. And yeah, I know, guys, John doesn't mind those guys. John doesn't sway away from those guys. But against, you know, and we always talk about this, guys. How many of those guys can you have before maybe it's going to blow up in your freaking face and you had a season that had a lot of promise to rail because all of a sudden now you lost three or four knuckleheads who you knew you were taking a gamble on because they were knuckleheads. But, you know, hey, Sheldon Richardson, you know, if you want to get him on a Sue-like deal where it's one year, $8 million, and because maybe you drafted, you know, two D linemen in the third and the fourth round and they're not ready to go full-time just yet, I, I can understand that, and Sheldon Richardson would be an interesting name. Yeah, uh, and his arrest is one of the strangest, like, legitimately psychotic things you could ever imagine. He was driving like a hundred and something with a kid in the back 110, seat. One ten, thirteen year old kid in the back seat, guns, <sighs> weed, all everything you'd want. Right. Um, I would like to think that in the last couple of years, he's basically found Uber. Well, that, but I mean, I, you know, maybe he's just calmed down a little bit that he's not like that, that guy anymore. But yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the package. Um, it's like I said, one of the strangest arrests I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Checked every box. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. So that's that's another piece of that particular puzzle. But he's a he's a really good football player. There's no getting around it. Uh, but the the one thing is pretty certain. It'd be really unlikely he's going to be back in Minnesota. They are broke. Um, well, that's what happens when you hand your quarterback sixty four million dollars guaranteed. Right. It's interesting. So I don't know where he's going to end up. It wouldn't honestly surprise me if he he were to end up with, you know, like a team like the Rams or something. You know, if they're they're trying to reload and basically take with the suit money. Take the Sue money and basically try to get a cheaper version, but same, similar result. No, it wouldn't stun me at all. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, one thing that does draw the interest for me here is uh, he can play an interior defensive tackle. He can play a, a traditional D-end. Um, there were even times the Jets where they were just hard up at injuries. They actually had him play in, you know, a, a true edge and a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. Brings a ton of versatility. And if you're looking for a defensive line group, with depth that can go seven, eight, nine, if that's as deep as you want to go with it, you'd like to be able to mix and match these guys. You know Miles can kick inside on passing situations. We've talked about Agbo and he can do. Obviously, you know, Sheldon Richardson be one of those guys who could fit into that scenario really, really well here, guys. Whether it is on uh, Instagram, whether it is on Twitter, uh, I do want to thank everybody. I put out a tweet today. I was having a little problem with my daughter's Instagram. You guys were rock stars. We had the situation handled in four minutes. I have an Instagram account. Don't like it. Don't know much. Don't know how to use it. But I appreciate you guys for helping me out. Almost had a heartbroken 12-year-old over losing an Instagram account where she's very proud of her 500-plus followers. But I do thank you guys there. But Instagram, Twitter, Locked On NFL Net, everything from every NFL show, fantasy-wise, team-specific, uh, draft, uh, Matt Williamson show, everything's run through those accounts. So Locked On NFL Net, Instagram, Twitter, guys, go ahead and hit those up for me. Uh, we'll get to this, I guess, first, Pete. Uh Richard Higgins, the fifth-round tender, uh, we had talked about this, and maybe John Dorsey was going to just say, hey, you want to know what? Let's let the other 31 di- th- 31 teams dictate what Richard Higgins' value is. Um, we, You and I have both spoken about this. I, I remember going back to the first Raven game 
where he went down and, incidentally, another weird Browns player in his birthday, a bad thing happened to him. You know, he got hurt his knee that day. And we had done the post-game show and said, you know, this is going to be more significant than people realize because, you know, he had developed a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. But it, it, this one seems a little tough here. And, you know, if, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to lose Rashard Higgins for only a fifth-round pick. Okay, so this is genuinely very interesting to me because if you put a second-round tender on him, you were basically saying he's going to be back for $3.11 million. Um, I have no problem with that, but this changes it in that, one, this could induce Richard Higgins to want to negotiate a, a, a you know probably like a three-year deal, maybe a four-year deal with the Browns and get it done now, potentially before he has a bigger year and then is worth more money basically trying to get him at a nice number now as opposed to a big you know losing him to a bigger number later but it also but gets same, him that it also gets him two years of pay before that lockout as well right that's the other point and certainly look and, and, and that becomes money now as opposed to we'll see you later um I actually I was talking with an NFL agent today I was messaged with him and he said look uh, you're gonna see some teams and fans and writers start to freak out because some guys are gonna start putting houses on the market they're gonna put their houses on the market because if they can sell it and there's a possibility of a lockout, they're going to have money. Um, guys, it hasn't changed. These guys, a lot of them still live year to year. And so they don't have much liquid. So if there's a possibility of a lockout or any extended you know, shutdown of play, some of these guys are going to be hurting for money. So don't believe just because you know so-and-so, the cornerback for the LA Rams, put his house on the market, doesn't necessarily mean the player is on the market. But go ahead, Pete. But the other part about this is... is- Yes, this does leave the possibility that somebody's going to sign Richard Higgins in the in the Browns. Three years, match. fourteen. Three years, fourteen point five, and all you're getting is a fifth round pick for a guy that you really liked when you could have had him this year for three. Which is interesting, but at the same time, like, is anybody really going to put up a, a you know a substantial contract that's going to basically be like? so obnoxious that the Browns are going to be like, nah, we're good. No, Go I, ahead, and I do like, agree with you from there because like, well, the thing is, who's the guy that would do it? Hugh, it's not like Hugh's anywhere. So there's not really like anybody who's got a really great relationship with Rashard Higgins that's going to be telling their GM or their coach, yo, I really want him. Go get him. Go get him. Like, I don't know where the NFL connection is for Rashard Higgins that somebody's going to be tugging at the GM's thing to say, get this one done. So in that standpoint, it could just end up being that, you know, another team is negotiating the contract for the Browns. So it's interesting. Which could end up lowballing Higgins, to be honest. Right, which is basically letting somebody else do it, um, you know, and basically saying the market is set for you. And then, you you're, almost, then you're almost not having that odd argument of, oh, well, you think you're worth that? Yikes, uh, we don't think that. Somebody else, you know, draws it up, and you all right, we'll match it. Then it's, you know, hey, that's what you were able to get on your own, and you were, you know, on the market the entire league-wise, and we just agreed to match it. Right. So as much as this seems like, oh, the Browns are going to let him go for a fifth-round pick, I really think this is more along the lines of just letting another team negotiate the contract for them, which they match, because I just don't see a real scenario where somebody's going to be like, well, Listen, we got to get this dude. We're going to give him everything he wants to make sure we do it. Now that that, that five, does not mean there's going to be no five-year, forty-five million dollars offer. Right. Out now there. that doesn't mean like there may be a possibility where the Browns are basically make the decision that like this is more about Baker than it is Higgins, and maybe they're happy to let him go. But 
I'm inclined to think that this is going to get – this is just the, their way of getting around the fact that they're going to negotiate the deal. They're going to do a forum, match it, and they'll be back. Everybody will be happy. And it's kind of a cagey move from that standpoint. Um, so it's interesting, but I, I do think this ultimately ends up with Higgins back in Cleveland. Yeah, I do agree with there. Um, I just I, I don't know if there's going to be a big enough offer – that's going to affect it. Now, this one, Pete, and this one must have just come through here. Uh, per source, the Browns are shopping our guy, the playmaker, Darren Fells. Um, I guess assuming he's, I guess it's $6 million. I don't know who's paying $6 million for Darren Fells. And uh, it would His be- value will never be higher after the <laughs> outstanding season he put together this past year. Look at the efficiency that man had. Those 10 catches and three touchdowns. Um, Bengal killer. The Bengals alone might just have to take him. I don't. It, it's, <laughs> it's it's genuinely bizarre to see a tweet go out that that, that apparently rise to the level of the bronzer shopping Darren Fells. Um, that, that's a tweet from Pro Football Talk. I know. I, I all I, you I, had today, and it was funny because I was thinking about today putting out the tweet. You know, with the old stick, do something. Do something, because you know as much juice and a little bit of excitement yesterday had today. Yikes, nothing. So <coughs> that's interesting. Uh, let's put it this way: if if for whatever reason the Browns find somebody that wants to take, I, I th- this is the other part is I don't know what they would trade him for. But let's say they actually move him. There is a guy I really like for that scenario, which is uh, Jesse James. Uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is incidentally also six seven, but he's had he had a really good year with them. He'll only be he's played this year. He's only twenty four years old. Like he came out super young. He's twenty one when he declared. He's been in the league four years. He would turn twenty five this year. He basically had you know a Darren Fells type season for them. Gives you that blocking presence, and you know you could get him for a couple years and and, and add to it. Um, you know, if that's the way they look at this, it's interesting. Um, but it's again, it's more weird than anything else. But yeah, Jesse James is the guy that sort of stands out to me. If if for whatever reason they move on from Darren Fells, you know, Tyler Eifert's another name out there, one that Pete's kind of been bounty uh, well, banning about. Yes, I would do that in addition to signing a guy like Jesse James. You cannot like I I love the idea of signing Tyler Tyler Eifert for the same reason. You know, I like the idea of signing Kevin Johnson. Um, but it, the same reason, same thing when you sign a guy like Kevin Johnson, you can't say that's the the answer. That's a guy you hope gives you something, but you're planning for him not giving you something. Anything else at that point is a bonus. Um, so yeah, at that point I'd be saying I, I'd like, I'd sign Jesse James and sign Tyler Eifert for a year, for a, a one year deal or whatever to try to see if he can give you a little something, you know, along the lines of you got from Greg Robinson and Brashad Perryman. Yeah, but uh, it is funny that uh, you know that is a tweet to come from the Pro Football ta- Talk account of the Browns are shopping Darren Fells. Um, look, look good, good for Darren if he's got more interest. Um, I think he's you know obviously you know guys there is some joking in it, but he played extremely well and you know around the red zone. Good luck trying to cover him. I mean, he, it's impossible. He's a huge dude, knows how to use his body. Uh, you know, actually he saw that in both Bengal games. Um, will always be a Cleveland trivia. Uh, question answer uh, for the first touchdown reception in Baker Mayfield's career. Um, 
so it'll be interesting. You know, for me, maybe it's uh, maybe the price tag might be a little bit more hefty than John Dorsey wants to go. But in the same respect, I don't know if anybody else is going to find that price tag that appealing. Um, one more before we put a bow on this here. Uh, Pete, now, our guy Justin Lane, obviously we've been on for a while, and now today Lance uh, Zerlene, I believe it was, you know, through 328 prospects or whatever, da-da-da, you know, threw off some labels, and bi- I believe it was Biggest Riser, and there was our guy, Justin Lane. Yeah, and I think some of this is the other guys are sort of basically not living up to expectations. Um, whether it was Greedy's fit, whether it was Baker and Murphy with sure. you know, not the greatest of 40 times, and you know Byron Murphy, you know not a lot of people are going to view him truly as a shutdown CB1, but go ahead. Like I, I, I heard uh, uh, Dave Brugler basically say he, he wasn't sure if there's a corner that will go in the top 20 this year, um, and that, you know, obviously... You know, I did a mock draft and, and I had Justin Lane go 17. Like, if he's the first corner off the board, he's at 17. That sort of basically supports that. But yeah, I, to me, he's the best corner in this class based on uh, the numbers, uh, based on his age, based on his athleticism. Um, I think he's a guy who's only going to get better as he his gets height, more experienced. Uh, yeah, he's he's got incredible. His length is great. Um, he's a great fit for a cover three type scheme. Um, he's a good counterbalance to Denzel Ward. It allows you to do a lot of things, but you know, he is young at the position. I do think he's going to get better. And as he gains confidence, it's only going to help him. But at the same time, what he's put out there is also very impressive. And I think he's a guy who's, who, who knows how to play the football. He knows how to, uh, will go up and tackle and, and do a lot of those things that 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 make for a complete corner. I, I I think, you know, some people are sort of like, you know, not as high on him. I I think they're discounting, you know, how much better he can get with what he's already done. Yeah, and, and uh, that was the actual the term uh, Lancer Leonard used. It was ascending player, and yeah, that it's one hundred percent would agree. And what I saw. When I watch him, and the first thing for a corner is I, I like to see if you're going to get your nose dirty. And that part he checked off the boxes in spades. And you start to see the other stuff. And, you know, all right, yeah, so maybe some guys, you know, can break a route off underneath him. Um, but a lot of that was in man where he was kind of, you know, he was, you know, in the staggered position. If it's more in zone, yeah, he can he can click and close. He can click and close, no problem. So Justin Lane's a fun, fun player in that respect. Uh, Pete, anything we missed here? Uh, I, know, I know those coach, coaches clinic, man, they're, they're tough to deal with, man. A lot going on there. Um, no, it's, you know, it's always good stuff. For for me, it was mostly getting a lot of, uh, big 10 quarterback guys, Ken O'Keefe from Iowa and a dude from Penn state today. So, you know, it's whatever. Uh, but no, as far as football stuff, as far as it relates to the Browns, I was expecting more today. They kind of gave us a snoozer Saturday here today. And I'm fine with it. Honestly, like the the thing I, I want to avoid, like, you know, obviously, you know, last year it was the three trades within you know, an hour. Yeah, and and basically resetting your whole rust. The Browns don't need that much to, you know, they don't need to bring in an entire group of players to like they did last year. And again, I like the Vernon trade better than I like the prospective Beckham trade. I, I I'm I'm dubious of just putting so many of your resources into one player that if he's sitting on the sideline nursing a hamstring or whatever, that you're sitting there going, man, you know, my, let's say 17th pick, you know, a play, 
player A and B and another pick next year all sitting out there uh, not contributing, that's tough. Like, you know, that's that's what makes football difficult in that s- scenario where you have a guy, you know, that, that you could potentially put so much into that in a game that is super physical and, you know, shit happens. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Certainly there's, there's more things that could come out, uh, more moves that could happen, but I, I'm kind of hoping that they, they basically wait till free agency and, and see what comes out. But again, you know, if they're, you know, shopping Darren Fells of all people, who knows what else they're looking into or other <laughs> players they may have, targeted as guys they'd like to add whether it's you know a guy like nelson Aguilar, maybe who's you know likely to get moved some at some point from philadelphia or you know somebody else that we're not even considering uh that's sort of off the beaten path in terms of targets maybe it's a defensive tackle of some sort maybe it's you know the 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 one the one that the the move that's really interesting to me is if they like you, I know how much you like Devin Bush, and and mm-hmm. certainly I'd be excited if they picked him. But there's one big problem with taking him, and his name is Chris Kirksey. Is there some point where they trade, release something in him that you know, basically dumping more cap into this year, and basically you know make that big, you know that big splash play that opens things up for a guy like Devin Bush? That's sort of where i'm curious on that on that front but everything else it's basically let's see what happens yeah uh well bush i mean it came out today the uh the uh 10 yard splits and he had i believe it was third or fourth best in the entire combine and just go show him more you know, more to show the, the kids read react and first step is fantastic fun fun player um you will have some good stuff coming here. We're going to probably sit down with uh, Stephen Thomas again tomorrow, guys. we got another prospect interview coming for you on Monday. Um, just last words on the Zeitler trade. Um, I truly believe this is a trade where you can say both teams walked away with this with a win. Uh, the Giants just don't want to believe that Eli Manning is the problem, so they're going to continue to do everything they can. Look, weapons-wise, they've got the weapons. So they're going to do everything they can to keep the offensive line to keep Eli in the pocket, keep him clean. We'll see how it works out. <laughs> what? The apparently the Jets are uh, are searching for a blocking tight end and have have had internal discussions. But Darren Fells, according to whatever my uh, NFL update, <laughs> and the Jets who are like void of draft picks. This is they, the, the Jets. The Jets who have basically cleaned house of everything on 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 at least one side of the ball. It's basically Jamal Adams and, and Sam Darnold. But yes, blocking tight end—that's the missing piece to really get this thing going. He'd be their offensive. He'd be the best blocker, though. He'd be the best blocker on the entire offensive line, though. So there is that. Um, you know, like I said, this is a trade that both teams, in my opinion, walked away with a win. You know, the Giants got what they wanted. The Browns got what they wanted. Uh, you know, John Dorsey's able to get his guy Austin Corbett on the field. Um, to the Zeitlers, Kevin Zeitler and his wife Sarah. They've been nothing but great to me, guys. As you know, Kevin was a guest of the show. Um, great people. Uh, you know, they just continue their, you know, migration across the United States, closer and closer to the East Coast. Now to New Jersey, Pete, where it's all good times here. Uh, Mrs. Zeitler was relieved when I told her, hey, it's a lot warmer in New Jersey than it is Ohio. So that was a little bit of a win for her. That's a um, bold-faced lie for one thing. What? It is warmer here. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, stop, it is. But, but the one thing, the one thing I would touch on is so many people are caught up on this idea that that the Giants trading Olivier Vernon is basically a a, 
contract dump because they're unsatisfied with the player. How is it a dump if you took on the same amount of money? Well, but the other part of this is so much of this, you get the sense is because they don't like him for the fit in that scheme, which on its face is stupid, but nevertheless is a real thing that happens. And here's they may have thing, just decided that Olivier Vernon is not, you know, not what they want to do in the same way that Zeitler in some ways, you know, isn't the type of lineman the Browns ultimately want to have. Uh, where Corbett is more of a maneuverable guy, and, and Zettler is the ultimate phone booth. He ain't he ain't pulling. He's just beat, he's just gonna freaking block down and kill kill a dude. Well, and here's also the thing though: when they originally signed uh, Carry, you still had JPP. So essentially, you signed him as JPP was your best pass rusher. He was supposed to be your second best pass rusher. Then so you went through year one with that. Then year two, you traded Jason Pierre Paul away, who had 12 and a half, 13 sacks for Tampa Bay last year. Uh, now you're moving on from you Neil know, Vernon, Olivier Vernon. He's down some digits. Oh, he's always been down. Yeah, well, definitely down some digits, but still, 12 and a half, 13 sacks. Now Olivier Vernon's going to move on and go back to playing a second, you know, a weak side defensive end. Should produce well. I'm sure he'll meet those seven sacks that he had in 2018. So, you know, that's where we're at here, guys. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to pick up more steam as, you know, this week starts to pick up here. We're going to, you know, obviously get some more answers, or at least some more action on things that are going on. Like I said, a bunch of stuff going on here over the next few days. We'll have everything covered for you on Lockdown Browns. Repeats work over at NFL Spin Zone. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.